0: Hey, entrepreneurs! We have a special bonus episode for you today. What you're about to listen to is a panel that we hosted last week in partnership with Ralph Jacqueline and the Boston Managers Group. The panel features some of the founders of the National Independent Talent Organization who are some of the biggest names in the live music industry. Check out the show notes to see if you are eligible to join the organization and see how you can help support live music businesses during the pandemic. I'll let George and Ralph take it from
1: here. Enjoy. Hello, everyone who's joining and uh, those that are going to be joining soon, um, George Howard. I'm one of the co-founders of Entrepreneurship and Art and uh, partnered up here with uh, my good friend and hero in many ways, Ralph Jackadine, who has been running the Boston Managers Group for many, many years. Um, we're here today talking with some, some really hard to hard to put the right adjective or superlative on it but the top of the field in terms of, of agents in the music business just I, I can't even imagine the cumulative years of experience but um and as i was saying to to one of them who shall remain nameless right before we started so many artists owe their careers to these people and it's you know we talk about we hear about the music industry all the time and i think most people think of the music industry they think of the major labels and a handful of artists but there's this entire industry, not just of performers, and, um, but also the people that, that make things happen. And booking agents, managers, all of those people, they've been equally or more uh, more profoundly impacted by COVID and are much less visible on a day-to-day basis. But they are the kind of substrate layer that keeps all of this going. So um, I, I'll, I'll shut up in a second, but I've been saying since this began that, that we as a country or planet or whatever, but certainly as a country have to decide, we have to make a choice um, if we value institutions like music and if we want to support them in the way that our country supports other industries and institutions. And clearly art is an empathy machine. Clearly art is something that it helps people get through pain and time and troubles and everything else. And clearly for, for decades now, um our our society our governments have have rejected art as as meaningful by way of of defunding various institutions and now we're seeing what happens when that when that occurs so um i will shut up i'll let others talk but i i do want to want to make everyone aware that we'll be following this up with specific calls to action about how we can actually as a society choose and do that by writing our representatives becoming representatives ourselves and being very vocal about the music business across a much broader scale than just the major labels, but to be inclusive of of everyone that's out there every day trying to trying to bring art um, and empathy. So Ralph, with that, I'll turn it over to you.
2: Great, thanks, George. Uh, it's It's always good to do projects with my friend George howard. we We share an office at Berkeley, and he's an amazing guy and and I, I'd love to partner with you with everything we do. So everything we do is uh, stemming from the Boston managers group and this is a group I guess it's about 27 years ago we started this and that's when I got into the full-time management business and how I got started is I've never met a manager in my life before I called myself a manager. I started a record label, I had an artist and then I, I called the only manager I've ever heard of which was Tim Collins who managed Aerosmith and we had a meeting and we decided eventually that we can help each other out. And um, you know, and years later, Tim says that why he wanted to do this is because of the beginner's mind. He needed people like me that don't know anything, that have uh, this loud mouth that wants to spout wisdom or questions and all. And he learned from me and I certainly learned from him. So 27 years ago, we brought together a group of managers and now it's managers and studio owners and some record labels and dear friends in the industry um, and booking agents so we have about 160 people right now on our list and um, this this is one of our meetings and it's great that we could do it virtually and it happened because ted curlin called me and ted curlin when i got into the business ted was and 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 ted curlin associates of jack randall's part of it he's the president you know, Ted was this guy that has an office in Alston and it's a house and he books um, Miles Davis and um, Keith Jarrett and Muddy Waters and he manages uh, Pat Metheny, a legendary guy. And when he called me, I go like, wow, this is Ted on the line. And I listened to Ted. And years ago, he said that there is a book. Uh, a, a, senator who he's behind and he supports and he wants to know if the Boston managers group can be invited to a fundraiser and that was Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time Ted ever asked me anything if I could support Barack Obama by by our mailing list. And I said yes. And uh, Ted asked if we could get behind this organization. This is the, you know, this Nito is The National Independent Talent Organization that just started, and we're going to be we're going to be talking about that. Um, So I want to first of all, really quickly, Ted and Jack they run the the Ted the Kerlin Agency, and you know legendary artists they've worked with for years and years and years. Um, the, The Gary Burton and Pat Metheny, and you know it's just like the top of the top of the game. They're they're in the world music, they're in pop music. They're in jazz, um, located in Boston. Um, Frank Riley is, um, you know, Frank was a scary kind of character when I used to go to these conferences and, and, and he was very lovable, but I didn't know what to think about him. And his reputation is, uh, he's beloved in the industry and he's a real straight shooter. You know, his, his website has this great thing. Uh, is, is, this is like a credo that the belief that things are continually getting better, and good will triumph over evil. <laughs> That's somebody in the music industry. Oh my God! So, uh, and and he has mined the Boston uh, market for years, uh, book, booking people like Amy Mann, Amanda Palmer, Frank Black, Peter Wolf, and then other people like Robert Plant, Wilco, The Replacements, things like that. And um, Frank's out of California, and Wayne. Got off his bike for this meeting. His office is in New York City, and uh, Entourage Talent Associates, Associates is his, his company, and really, really legendary. I, I've known or heard of Wayne from 20 years of working with David Bowie and in, in an intimate kind of a really, really working David Bowie. That's, that's amazing. And The Clash, and Pink Floyd, and Hollow Notes. Um, you know, Dave Mason, Joan Armatrading, great artists, all of them working with great artists. So it's, it's um, I, I, I want to let you know that um, when when any one of these people get on the screen gets my attention or has something to say, I, I pay attention and as well, the industry should. So um, uh, we're gonna be talking about NITO and uh, the call to action. But let's before we get to that organization. Um, where are we with Tori? Where are we in the music industry? Um, why uh, why are we having this meeting right now? Any one of you?
0: Uh, can I use an expletive? Sure, for We're, yes. We're fucked. That's where we are. We are in desperate states. Uh, straits. Mm-hmm. It's a dire circumstance. Um, <clears throat> You know, starting with the agencies, there's, you know, we're in peril. None of us have had any income since mid-March. The artists that we represent haven't had shows uh, or touring income since that time as well. The independent venues are on, a lot of them are on the verge of collapse. Um, It's all about a virus. And uh, there's only one seeming solution here, and that seems to be a vaccine. We have terrible leadership in the country right now um we haven't tamped this thing down and brought it under any kind of control and um until we do um we don't have anything much to look forward to in terms of live performances in the near future but we always have a lot of hope we always have a lot of belief um we've all been through tough times and we'll get through this one. hey wayne why don't you pick this up here
3: well and frank says dire it's not like we're just trying to make it up and when he says it venues are in trouble um, let, let's put it because uh, actually I was talking to somebody yesterday on an interview and they said, Oh really? Well, how bad is it? I mean, the reality is that a lot of these venues, they, don't, they have mortgages to pay or leases to pay like long-term when they're shut and they can't generate the income, they can't pay these. They're going to lose the buildings and who's waiting. There's guys waiting to take them over. They'd rather, they could build a condo. I mean, there's legendary venues that are worth more for the property than they are for the actual venue. They're being kept open by people who love music and want to be in that business. But as soon as somebody can come in and take them over and put a condo up instead or an office building, they'll be gone and they're not coming back. I mean, there's one of our uh, members uh, who works with Galactic in, uh, in uh, New Orleans and, and they are involved with Tipitinas, for instance, legendary club. Um, we were told by one of our members today that, that a developer called them up out of the blue and said, hey, I know you're in big trouble. Uh, we'll buy the property from you. Uh, they don't want to have a club. They want to build a condo building. That's what they want to do. These guys are hanging on by their fingernails. Now we're in no better place than that, frankly, because we've got staff. Although some of us, some of us have furloughed or had to lay people off, which is not easy in a small independent business. Those are your family. They a lot of those people have been with, with with us. I mean, my my people have been with me for five years, seven years, eight years, nine years. You know, they're they're they're. I have a smaller staff than most, so most most of my actually all my people are still on i don't know how long i can keep them on i'll keep them on as long as i can that's what i told them but when there's no income coming in when there's no business and we don't see an end to this is the end december no is the end april we don't know is it next summer we have no idea it could be the end of next year uh not only will people not have concerts but some of these artists won't be around we have another another member who's Who's leader of lead singer of one of the uh, they more of, you know uh, uh, in-demand artists clients from the west coast he's had a pick up with his family and he's moving from the west coast to the east Coast because he can't live in California uh, Southern California anymore and the and the, there's not going to be a, there won't be a group now the, the guy's leaving and going across the country he's he's selling his instruments and his memorabilia because he's got to pay bills it's dire when Frank says dire it's freaking dire so it's not, it's not scary it's fucking dire
2: so, uh, Jack and, and Ted, a lot of your business is international. What's what's going on around the world?
4: <laughs> You're on mute, Ted. you got on mute.
5: Um, internationally, it's a it's a totally chaotic situation. Um, it's compounded by not only all the factors that we're dealing with, namely high incident of uh of uh of the pandemic venues closed but from the viewpoint of an american uh, artist wanting to tour internationally i'm now being confronted with with uh many countries who are indicating they will not let americans come into their country uh without a two-week quarantine if that because we have now as a nation fallen to a level where our uh, our rate of infection is higher than most. And they're concerned about letting us in, letting American musicians in. Um, everything that we booked in 2020 is being postponed till two to 221 uh, or beyond. And um, there is very little, uh, very little foreign activity many countries have even locked down new zealand uh, and others are are very restrictive about letting anybody in so the short answer is it's as bad as it is here and, and worse in some ways because the prospects of uh, americans being led into those in, into those countries is is right now non-existent can't can't even go and tour even if we had had a live performance to it was, you know, sustainable on the,
2: other, on their end. So the, the thing that the three companies have in common is that you're independent. And uh, these are, these are small businesses and uh, they're mighty businesses. Like my management company is a small business, but we're, we're mighty. We're fighting it out. Most managers are small businesses. Um, what is, uh, what is the prognosis? You know, the agents I talk to are just what Ted said, they're booking everything for next year. Um, but independent artists are scrappy, uh, and they want, they need to play and they need to make money. Will clubs come back? Will outdoor touring is the virtual, uh, virtual concerts online. Is that replacing things to, to help? Tell me me what you think about that.
3: The virtual is replacing some of the entertainment. It's still not the same experience as live, obviously. But it's not really it, it's helping out for some of the smaller artists. But for like my clients, for instance, I, I've got one that's got a they've got about twenty to twenty-two people on their crew. And well, no, sorry. So the so the so the actual two principals of the group, and then you've got another twenty-two people, including band crew, right? Right now they're all on still on payroll. How long will that last? Because if you let them go, they've got to go get other things, do other things. They might get other jobs. Maybe they'll leave the music industry. That's another thing that may happen is they may just leave and say, you know what? I can't deal with this. Anymore. I'm going to get a real job. I'll go see if I can get work for Google. At least they're working at home and getting paid, you know, or I'll go work for, you know, for one of the, you know, one of the streaming companies or something. Um, so the the virtual is not taking care of that income. Okay. It's not replacing it. It's helping some of them, but not enough. Still, some of these artists, they're doing it from their living room. They're making a few bucks, but they're still scrounging to pay their bills. I mean, yes. it's not, it's not easy. Um, the, the live one sec uh, and I'll, you will stop the live thing from the outdoor thing. Yeah. But these drive-in shows, yeah, there, there is a bunch of them, but they don't, they don't, they pay the bills, but they don't really generate enough income to really make even the promoters a, a, a profit. Um, you know, one offs they do. And then artists, you know, touring artists can't tour behind them because there's no circuit of them around the, you know, it's not like they can go out and do 60 shows or 30 shows. Right. And when you're gearing up a larger band to go around the country, I mean, that's what you got to do that, you know, to pay the overheads. Um, they can do it on, on individualized basis. So it's really localized or regionalized acts that are doing them. And, uh, and then there's some acts that just don't want to take the chance and go out there. Because I spoke to one of my clients about it specifically, and the crew guy said something interesting. He said, yeah, we can go and do that, but we still have to interact with a mm. local crew, and we got to interact with security. And he said, we're
0: still at risk. You are. He said, I don't want to do it. Personally, I don't want to do it. So. That's to say nothing about the responsibility the artist has to their audience. Right. They're going to gather people into one spot and potentially put them all in danger. There's a moral aspect of this that goes beyond the financial part. The other real issue is that how many local shows can a band do and how much money can be generated? So yeah, you can do it for a time or two or three. You can do a a streaming show once or twice or three times or whatever, but it's not an endless thing. You know, and what the, you know, the artist that Wayne's referring to that does 60 shows, that's 60 shows across a large territory. You know, playing locally does not generate 60 shows, doesn't generate six shows, it generates one show. And you can't live on that Um, and there's no, there's no foreseeable end to this either. The streaming thing, just think about this practicality, how many bands live together? Not that many. Anybody that's established definitely doesn't live together. And you know, in order for them to come and do a streaming event, they've got to come together. and They've got to accept the risks that that, that entails, and the interaction with whatever, wherever they're going to take, wherever these things are going to take place—a venue, a studio, or whatever. There's multiple things going on here that lower the number of possible alternative type plays. So in the end, it's you know, we've got to get back to reality here and get to real shows. So as an aside. Dana Frank, who runs NEVA, asked her constituency uh, about a month ago, how many venues would be willing to open up at reduced capacity? And the answer was zero, because half of a house is a losing show. And why would you set that as your goal, to have a loser? Um, You know, Phil Anschutz told the AEG staff that he's not opening up to lose more money. So I I think that says it all.
4: Jack? Jack? I was going to add to that, you know, in in the U.S. and trying to put together whatever kind of tour you want to want to go to. And and I think given what we do, it's like we are dealing with touring with in 50 different countries with no border restrictions, because every state is different (laughs) in what you can do and what you can't do. So even if you, you can make a logical argument that, okay, shows in smaller places with smaller amounts of people are going to be allowed to happen first. I mean, that, that, I think that's a logical thing to say. So let's imagine you're small enough that you, maybe you have one crew guy and everybody's, you know, relatively in the same area and you get in a van and you go and you play eight shows in 10 days in eight cities and five states. Well... You've got to have eight mayors and five governors all on the same page. And if one of those people, just one, is not on the same page, your tour starts to go away. How do you deal with that? And then the
0: changing circumstances, like all of a sudden you're in North Carolina and there's an outbreak at UNC Chapel Hill. And they go, nope, you got to shut that down. Nope, there goes your date. There's just no reliability in what's actually out there today about what will be there tomorrow. And tomorrow, who knows? So, anyway, Ted, I'm sure
2: you look wise up there. Ooh. Ted, you're looking wise up there.
5: Well, you know, I think it was just yesterday, wasn't it, that uh, that New York City.
3: Yeah. I was just going to bring that up, Ted. Yep.
5: Well, you, Wayne, no, go
3: ahead. The... Go, 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 go.
5: I don't know about there, there was a ruling that uh, if you had a an establishment that served food and drink, uh, I think you could you could bring it up to fifty people. Was it Wayne? Fifty people, and uh, many many uh, s- small business people uh, reactivated themselves and set themselves up so that they could uh, uh, function with with some live talent. And and then uh, yesterday that was reversed, and I read in the New York Times. Uh, the story of a woman and her husband who spent money and made a big effort to get themselves set up. And then yesterday,
2: that, that all went down the toilet. Yeah. So I have a question. When this went down in March, the booking agents that I know, what they did is they put things off to this fall, because of course, this fall, it's going to be finished. And then uh, that didn't happen. So now they're putting it off to next year. What kind of deals are you guys making? What is the uh, is there a a, via, a pandemic clause now? Are the guarantees coming down? Uh, what what are you what kind of deals are you making?
3: You well, know, first of all, all the deals have changed, right? There, yeah. is no, there is no basic deal anymore. There is no understood deal. You know, this there's no you know this is the way it was. That like Frank just said, it's that's all off the table. There is a pandemic clause. Uh, there are reduction clauses that they're putting forward you know they haven't we, have, we haven't really gotten to the point where we're actually playing shows so i wouldn't say they're totally accepted yet but but they're being discussed but they're being put through in offers uh, re, there's a lot of different scenarios going on that. it depends on what company you're dealing with and what promoter but for the majors you're dealing with you know two different scenarios to the two major companies and and mostly there there's a if you reschedule a date previously there's this deal. And if it's brand new, then we do this deal, right? And then those deals, the second part of that, those are all to be discussed. And it depends on the level of the artist and what they're worth. Um, I can say this, there's a lot of door deals going on out there now, okay? Because that's really what the promoter side feels most comfortable with. And so therefore there's, there's lots of negotiation. But from from my own standpoint, I've just sat back on that. I've sat back on it because when I when this thing closed down in March, um, I, f- I took stuff out of my office. I figured it'd be out for about a month or two and I'd go back if I needed something. I went back four weeks later to get more stuff and bring it home. And then I realized pretty much into it three or four weeks. I thought, you know what, this is going to go on a little bit longer, just from what I heard, what I read, things, everything. So I thought maybe we'll make it to the summer. So I let my, I let I left all my summer shows in and I left all my fall shows in. And by the time we hit May, maybe May one. <laughs> I realized in my head, no one said, but I thought we're not going to make it this year at all. So I immediately started moving all my stuff to next year anyway. And that was probably the beginning of May. And right now, I'll just be honest with you. I sent two emails out this morning and everything that I booked for next year, I'm now booking for 2022. Because I don't know if we're going to make it in 21
1: okay yeah, know, the, thank
2: you for joining us really appreciate it we'll be back next month <laughs> <laughs> let's
1: I'm talk just, about I'm being Nito and 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 talk about i mean some of the efforts of, i mean i think that's the reality the reality well, is well let
3: frank speak to that because it's really because of frank that we're all here to be honest
1: but oh yeah. about the yeah.
0: Nito? Uh, you know, oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, i'll do it really quick i i can summarize it fast um in mid-march when the whole thing started they hit i had access to some information from a group of people that I, when I walked away from one of these calls, I said, wait a minute, you know what? If I were on the other side of the fence and I didn't have access to this information, I'd really wanna know what these people are talking about. So I wrote down a list of 14 people that High Road worked well with, or I'd walk down the hall and somebody had smiled at me and I said, okay, you're on the list. And I made, it's an ad hoc group, it's just totally random. 14 independent agencies sent it out and we had these conference calls every time I had a call with the larger, with this other group of people, I would call everybody up. We'd talk about what the information was and we'd move on. And a a few weeks into it, probably Wayne, if I know Wayne, maybe not, but somebody suggested that, well, NEVA, the Independent Venue Association has just formed. We should have one of our own. And that was the beginning of NITO. And in early to mid-April, we um, got ourselves an organization, we got ourselves a name, we got ourselves a lobbyist, and we embarked on this path to try to save our own independent agencies, but also the ecosystem around us that allows us to uh, survive, thrive, support our artists, you know, build communities, be part of, uh, of the larger world of independent music. So that's where Nino started. So thank, thank
1: you. One I think the, it's so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, go. go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I no, no, want, please. Oh. Um, one of the things that I see so starkly, and I'm sure you all do too, is we, we can't expect people that aren't in our industry to understand the mechanics of it any more than we could understand the mechanics of a plumbing industry or something like that. Right. And yet we, we all know people who, dearly value art and, and live music and want to be doing something and don't know what to do. And I think that's why I come back to like, there has to be a call to action. Like people don't know, A, the gravity of the situation, as Vic Chestnut would sing, or B, well, what do I do? I know. What what do I do? Right. And And there are people that want and have means to do things and do value this and they don't know what to do. And so, is is Nito something that people can rally around and support? Is it going to be lobbying? Is it going to be taking money? And is it going to be? I, I really think we have to be very proactive and treat this institution as something that matters, and and advocate for it at the highest levels and in the communities themselves. These these live venues and the people that you fill them with are are. Community centers—they're—they're—they're they're, they're what make communities in the same way that restaurants are. You take them away, we don't have anything. Yeah. We have a bunch of WeWork space. Like we literally don't have anything. And you're dead right, Wayne. I mean, like it, it, the people that own these venues, at a certain point, they're going to go. I, I got to sell them. It's going to be a condo. But we can, as a society, choose not to let that happen. There are people that will buy these buildings. I mean, I know the people behind Tipitinas. I know why they did that. There are others like that, but people don't know how to act or where to
0: put their voice or their money right now. Well, this is a bipartisan issue. It's got nothing to do with Republicans and Democrats. This is about your community. So yes, NETO is an outlet for which you can focus your attention and drive some kind of leadership through uh, to Congress. Um, If you go to netolive.org, there's buttons on there and you should go through them and check them out. Um, There's a place that you can uh, put your name and your uh, zip code in, and it produces an automatic letter that gets sent to the Congress people that represent you, both your senators, two of them from each state, and your representative locally. What I've learned, and I didn't know this at the start, I'm a political junkie. I always thought, oh, well, I know about politics. Well, it turns out I don't know anything about politics until I got involved in this. Votes are currency in D.C., Currency allows you to get re-elected. If, you're, if you say that this is important to you, your representative will register that, and it might sway them to incorporate aspects of the various bills that are in front of Congress right now that are meant to subsidize us through this terrible time to get to a place where we can all resume our very successful, profitable and productive businesses. We are not looking for a handout. We don't need a handout. We've been sidelined because of a mandate, both locally, state-wise, and to some extent nationally, that it's our job to not build um, larger groups of people that could unduly affect their lives going forward and suffer some horrible um, viral disease we can't do that. We can't do our jobs. We've been sidelined. We have no money in order for us to get through this. This is what we need. We need some support from the federal government for somewhere else. And, uh, uh, just to survive through this in the future though, I really want to underline this part. We are successful businesses. That's why we're here. Um, the artists that we represent are their own individual businesses. They're successful business people too. This is not something where they're throwing a lifeline to a failing business. This is not the Rust Belt. This isn't anything like that. This is about a specific event that's affected us in a very specific way.
1: A great point. And, and it's similar to, to airlines or restaurants or, or whatever. This is not holding hands out to sustain something whose time has passed. This is something that that, that is... <laughs> an act of God, right? That, that has come along and that, that should, there should be a, a limited period of time. And again, I keep saying that we as a society have to decide, do we want to keep this around for to once we to get through this in the same way we would the industry, the airline industry or the restaurant or museums. I mean, do we as a society just want museums to go away? So
2: there's two things right now that I hear of two bills that save our stages and the uh restart act what are they are you getting behind both of them give us a a, a little bit of an introduction to that
0: yeah we support both of those bills and restart is a uh, is our primary focus um because it provides longer term relief that would allow us maybe to limp to the end of the year the save our stages is uh much more focused, um, smaller bill. Um, it's meant to help uh, independent venues and independent talent, uh, the, the talent organization too. Um, it's much more specific, but it's much more limited too in its, uh, in its reach. But Ted and Jack and Wayne, why don't you speak to it too?
3: Yeah, we are advocating for both. You know, What we're looking for, as Frank said before, is we're just looking for help. Meaning, we just don't want. We don't need just to, you know, like a handout. You know, what we're looking for is something to help us get through whatever it is—grants, loans, you know, you know, whatever. the The fact of the matter is, um, you know, when the when as George was talking about the different industries, when when the you know when the auto industry got into trouble, they were losing friggin' money. Like they were in, they they should have been put out of business. But the but the but the government came in, bailed them out. Why? Because you know they employed a lot of people. Individually, we're small companies individually, but the, the small independent businesses or small businesses in America comprise 99.3 or 9% of all businesses in America. People, people don't really realize that. I, I hope people in Washington do. There are major businesses. That's what you think about. But most of America is comprised of small businesses, restaurants, clothing shops, talent agencies, management companies, Individual artists, if you like, because you know a lot of them are LLCs or corporations in their in their own right. Um, very rarely are those businesses the ones that are supported. It's the airlines because they they buy a lot of planes, and it's the banks because fifty they, billion they're all, dollars they got. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and we're just looking to, to be able to be helped to, to make it through. If not. I don't know what's going to happen. We shut down and, you know, I guess we hibernate for a while and hopefully we come back. But as I said before, these venues certainly won't. And and we, Aneva, which is the National Independent Venue Association, you know, they're like our sister organization in a way. Like we're working hand in hand with them, advocating for these bills, fighting with them. I, want, I wanted to add one more thing before I stop. Uh, the other thing people can do, because you asked that question, if there's managers out there and they want to join our organization, they can do that on our website too. Uh, they can, you know, managers can sign up, and if there's artists, touring people, I don't know who else is listening to your podcast or to this, to this, to this event. Um, we have what we call associate members. Um, they're not fee pay members; they don't pay membership fees. But we also wanted to bring them in because we felt, as Frank said before, you know, it's a whole ecosystem out there. We're 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 out there advocating for everybody: the bus driver, the touring guy, the PR guy, every, PR person, everybody, because it's all part of this you know like we work with all those people um and as long as they're independent they can join our organization and that's it we're independent businesses that's great that's that
2: was one of the questions if if an independent artist that's self-managed and self-booked and just starting out
3: they join and, out and be an associate member they can be an associate yeah you, you know what i, mean, Wayne, Ralph we can, and I have
1: access. we teach at berkeley like this this <laughs> we will put this in front of our students, right? I mean, people, this is this is, is a societal community right. thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is what we need. We need to get this, there's any number of music business programs out there throughout the country now with students going, oh. and, and so this type of activism is good, not only for the industry that we all love, but also to introduce young people to the idea of activism about something that actually matters to them because so often it's abstract. Absolutely. When you're 16 or 17 years old, you don't really comprehend tax cuts, and th- but you understand why well, I can't go to a club, and it's a relationship to that that feeling and your representative body in Washington.
3: Yeah, and, and i had building a, that bridge. We have I had to. Long, I have a long-time friend of mine who loves music. I mean, she just loves like that's that's half of her life. Any kind of music she's into, and she and I I had sent you know all my friends, family. That's the other thing that can be done as well. By the way. I sent the link out from our website where you can send your letters to everyone that I knew. Like literally everybody to send letters from wherever they live in the country. As long as, you know, they live in a place they can send it to their senators and congress people. There are places we're focusing on specifically, but this was at the beginning so I sent it to everyone. She was one I sent it to and she emailed me back and she said, "What can I do to help?" And I said, "Well, you're not really in our business. There's not much." She said, "Can I donate money?" I said, "If you want to, you can't. We're not out there actually, you know, at the at that time anyway, looking for donations. But if you want to, and she did, she sent the check. And you know, I mean, we do have lobbyists and things to pay. So, so there's things that everybody can do. Is what I'm getting at. Everybody, if they want to, you know, sign up as associate members, or if they're a manager and they want to be a management member, or an agent wants to be an agent member. Um, yeah. you know, we do have committees. They can get on committees. They can help with some of our actions, or they can just spread the word. That's
2: right. So I just, got a, uh, I just got a question from my friend Jackie. And um, what she wants to know is can just ticket buying music lovers um, who can't wait to get back and see concerts, can they be part of this organization? Fans, fans, people that buy tickets. We don't really have fans.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't really have
1: fans on <laughs> nope, our fans. No, music
0: fans,
2: music fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, couldn't
1: they be directed through your site off. to write their congress people? Yeah, they
3: this? go to the what they can do is go to the site, you know, click the button and send the letters out. That's what they can do as fans. They can't really join it. They can't really join NETO. We're not set up for that. Okay. Okay. But they can help that way. And they can get all their friends to do it and their families. And like that's what I keep getting people, I you know, sending to people. Send this out and then send it to everyone you know and ask them to send it to everyone they know. And and then, then we can send it people. to their
1: Congress people. I mean, exactly. I guess that's where I keep coming back to. Right? Yeah,
3: and send it to the Congress people. So what I'm saying is, send a link to everyone they know. I to get it. letters yeah, I get it. to Congress, and so my my whole premise was, we can have 800 people, you know, become 64, you know, hundred people become, you know, twelve thousand people become two hundred thousand people, and you know, at some point we can get to a million letters.
2: Is the focus on our national government or? Should we be thinking of states? Should we be thinking of individual cities?
0: Yes. So, you know, what what NITO's done is we've aligned ourselves with a couple of different other organizations. And initially, um, NITO was fully focused on a a, a national approach. Our lobbyists are in D.C., you know, we were going directly that way. It's now become really apparent that local activations are very useful. They generate publicity, they generate promotions, they generate news. And Congress people, particularly right now, they're on their summer break, they're in their congressional districts. If you can generate local publicity about what the plight of the local um, venues might be or the organizations around them, you know, this is really important. And the Congress people are obliged to pay attention to their constituents because I go back to my uh, one of my earlier statements votes are the currency of DC, and people are, you know, and that's what they're looking for. They want to be reelected, they need those votes. And if you express yourself in a way to say that something's important to them, it has to be important to the Congress
1: people, too. This is a marketing problem, right? As much as Absolutely. anything else. The whole
3: and, thing's and, marketing. And,
1: yeah. And I would think, and I'm just putting my marketing hat on because that's kind of what I do in my grown-up life, but it, it's this seems like we need the, the artists themselves when they're doing these live streams to be talking about this and getting their fans to go to your website and and because that's what's going to work. There needs to be campaigns in the same way the restaurant industry is going out on TV and saying, you know, the restaurants are the lifeblood of a community. Like, if people want to give money you can create some awareness around TV campaigns and others to put additional pressure on these representatives. That's what it's going to take. These representatives are going to have to feel like I'm going to get voted out if I don't pay attention to this. Yeah. And 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 it's got to come come from the people that are not in our industry. It has to be the fans hearing from the artists they care about. They're not going to care as much as I love and respect you all as from what you're saying, as they are from some of the artists who represent. Well, the other part of it, George, is that, you know,
0: and uh, Wayne or somebody here can send it along, but there's a graphic that we have where we fit within the world, the community, the local communities. You know, we are a small organization. We have about a thousand members right now um, in the various forms or fashion. Um, but the effect that we have on the local communities reaches far beyond what happens to us individually. So the infographic that somebody will share, and you can send out to uh, maybe somehow attached to this uh, podcast, podcast will illustrate how interconnected all this business is. So when we were talking about publicists or tour people or stagehands or restaurants or you know, whatever it is, parking lot attendants that coalesce around a, a performance or a, or a evening out, um, that's what we're talking about. The reach is far and vast. And those are the people that we need to motivate in some way to be on our side and to be loud and proud because it's going to benefit them too. It's going to benefit their community. It's not just benefiting us by any means.
1: No, no, you know, we'll it it, it is a marketing point. issue. I yeah. just want
3: to interject quickly as well. Uh, the point that Frank brought up about the, you know, the votes being currency in Washington, we're coming up to an election. This is actually the perfect time for this to be happening. If people, Jumped on it, and you know, normally people think, "Oh, nobody's going to listen to what I say." I got to tell you that I got responses. Everybody in our organization got letter responses. People that I sent this out to, I had a I had a roadie that did it and got excited because Schumer sent him a letter. I mean, you know, it wasn't from Schumer, obviously, but but you know, it was written from their office. But the point was, it was it didn't look like a form letter. It looked well thought out. It actually came out right before he signed on to to save our stages. And when I the week before, and when I saw it. He talked about it in a letter, and I thought, "Wow, this guy's looking at save our stages." I wonder if he's going for it. The next weekend, or the next week, rather, signed <laughs> on to it. So, so, so it wasn't a form letter. I mean, it was something that he reacted to. So now's the time. This is a great time. These guys are at home. There's a bunch of them that need to get reelected. That are up. Mitch McConnell's up. Uh, I can't even think. Susan Collins up in Maine is 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 up for re-election. There's a bunch of them that are up for re-election, and those are the ones that we need. They're like the leadership of the Congress or the Senate. That's what we're looking for. And they need the young people's
1: vote. And the young people are reluctant to get out and vote unless they've got a real cause to do so. And we need to to really galvanize them around this particular cause. Yes.
2: And you know, we're dealing with a product. We're dealing with music. And as we said early, Republicans like it straight people gay I don't know that that's true democrats <laughs> george george you promised me. It, it it's like this is an amazing this is an amazing thing that we deal with that everybody you know it means so much to people and one of the one of the statistics on the uh on your website needolive.org, was that for every dollar spent on a ticket there's 12 dollars that go into the community and that's the lineup for, as Frank was talking about—about about the, the, uh, the, the, the hotels and the bus drivers and the uh, restaurants and all that stuff. So we're putting our artists are putting a lot of money into the community, and that those are real dollars. You know, yeah. that's that's real dollars.
4: And, and, you, um, and you talk about the cultural aspect of it and what that ultimately is worth. For example, what is the the music? And arts scene and and food scene in Austin, Texas. What's the value of that? Why do people want to live in in Austin or Asheville, North Carolina? Right. I mean, oh, it's New Orleans. Just, it, 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 they're so not driven Athens, there by Georgia Perry on dancing with with the stars. Right? right. That I'm not saying that's the only thing, but it's an important thing. And and, and you know, I think of I live in New Hampshire. And you think of the town of Portsmouth and how that would, what that would look like without the arts and cultural part of it. I mean, it's the most desirable place in the state to live. Yeah. And with yeah. without it, it's just another, you know, it's just another town.
3: You know. See, this is our, our thing, what we do, not only are we, the agents really behind the scenes, but I, you know, so people don't know about us. They don't know about the managers either really, but the venues, they know, but I don't know if they think about it. They don't, what would it be? What would your life be like without them? But nobody's going to know until it's too late, really, unless they focus on it now, which is partly what happened with my friend who's very into music. She when when I sent her the stuff and she thought about it, it was like, oh, my God, what happens if, you know, like the venues in town close? She's in Raleigh, North Carolina. OK, I mean, great town. Um, but if the venues close, then what? Then what do you do? Just go to the pizza place and listen to Jukebox. I mean, you know, it's half your life, you know, going out and listening to music.
1: And again, it goes to the point that in, in many people's minds, and it's not their fault, the music industry is Spotify and these superstars. That's all they kind of quantify it as. They don't understand that that is 0.001% of the total cultural impact. Exactly. And so it becomes this kind of marketing gesture. Yeah. And
0: what what you, what's even more important than, than some of that uh, actually is that, You know, these independent venues, the independent agents, these are where the innovative new ideas come from and where they grow forward. And this is how this is, you know, without enriching the the continued process of music um, through those avenues, it'll stick to where it is right now. It'll get stuck in a place that, you know won't be progressive and won't be in any kind of leadership And America in large measure around the world is defined by its music and the influence that we exert all over the planet is some part due to the music that we produce here and that's part of the whole culture also but Ted I saw you about to talk
5: well I I was just going to say and I'll only take a second to make this point but I I think it's time to Give everybody on this call a little pat on the back. All of the <laughs> members of the, of the Boston uh, managers group, and, and you and, and Wayne and the other members of NETO, we are the people who love, we're in this because A, we love music. Um, and we're the people who will go to a gig see somebody we really like, and if we're emotionally impacted, if we think that what we're seeing is worthy and creative, and Frank, I know this is true of you and Wayne. Uh, Ralph mentioned you know the major, major artists that you guys have worked with, but we've all on many, many occasions made decisions to work with an artist because our heart told us to do it and to give somebody a shot. Uh, big, big m- m- mega agencies are not as um, they're not as inclined as we are, and when I say we, I mean all of you members of the boston uh, managers group and, and and many of the artists that you manage it's really this network of people that are on this call this conference right now who in large measure are the first responders and the first to Uh, be willing to take a shot with a new artist and try to develop that artist. And without, we're the farmers, we're the farmers of the music industry. we're the real farmers. We're the organic farming (laughs) farmers of the music industry. And if we collectively uh, are not able to survive and thrive, it's going to seriously impact the state of music in this country. And, and, and that's, uh, that's a reason why we're, we're, we're trying hard to build up our organization. That's why we're, we were very appreciative that we had a chance to talk to all of you folks at the Boston managers group today, because we we're in the same boat as we're all in the same boat together. We all have the same career objectives. We love what we do. And, um, it it, we have to figure out how collectively because of how important it is what we do how we can um, make enough noise to get the government to uh uh, and and our legislators to recognize how important we are as a community
4: i mean one thing i I would just like to add to that because i know there's a lot of managers in the boston (laughs) managers group (laughs) um we, NETO, is the only organization that has a lobbyist lobbying on your behalf. Um, there's a thing in our government called a NACIS code, which is a numeric code labeling types of businesses. For independent booking agencies, our NACIS code is 711410. And for example, Neva and all the venues, they have a different number. As much as we have in common with those with the venues, they're in a different NASIS code. The one area of the music business that has the same six-digit num- number digit code as we do are independent artist managers. <laughs> so I, I could give you a lot of reasons why, if you're an independent artist manager, you should be a member of NETO. I shouldn't have to give you more than that.
2: <laughs> you know, this is this is a the Boston Managers Group is a special group. I remember
4: I, I would I would drop a mic there, but I don't have
2: one. <laughs> uh, <I> <laughs> the Jack with the numbers. I remember we had the president of CAA come to talk to us once, and he gave a talk about the state of the industry according to him. And then afterwards, he goes, "You know, this this group can't." exist in Los Angeles or New York or Nashville you know the fact that you have 50 managers coming together helping each other out um working together and um advocating for our causes and our acts it's it's amazing so there there's power to this group and there's power to these managers um the fact that we're able to get an audience with uh with the three of you guys is absolutely thrilling and uh cuz you you Four of you, you have you have weight, you have experience and you're doing something that's really, really important. Um, so every manager should know about this and and, and um, the fact that it's all independent. I really like that. Uh, I do know that the big major everything is, is going under and uh, they have big buildings and big real estate and they're laying off people by the thousands. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it. And so are you. Um, so we're, we whether you're big or small or independent or or massive, we're kind of in this. We are in this together, uh, like like never before. So let's let's kind of conclude with some takeaways about you know, the, the, Frank. What you were saying before was amazing. That this is a thriving business. We're not doing anything. That, we're not doing anything to harm the world, right? we're just bringing this beautiful music to people and it's a product and it's an industry that's thrived, was thriving. And we're not asking, uh, we're just asking for help. And we're asking through your lobbyist and your uh, advocacy in this organization, org has some amazing information and uh, George and your cohort, Dan, we're going to be following up this with a podcast. Yes. Um, Everybody that's on this call, uh, on this Zoom presentation or YouTube or wherever we are, uh, will get a follow-up to to how to, uh, you know, the call to action, what we could do. Um, We're almost out of time, but I would love to go through, um, hey, Jack, there's a musician behind you. Sign him. (laughs) (laughs) I I
3: He signed already. Lives with Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: I would like to um, get your uh, call to action, your personal call to action for the group uh, of what we could all do. Um, Starting with Ted, what do you what do you think, Ted? I I think everyone on this call has
5: uh, substantial a substantial stake in uh, going to our website, learning about what we're doing. Uh, educating themselves on our organization, their what or hopefully their organization if they choose to join, and understanding what's really behind uh, uh, what we're attempting to do, and the, the the various action points that we're trying to activate on many different levels, nationally, statewide, locally, and by joining on and helping this cause. The idea is that we'll save certainly our our businesses and what we do, but we will equally important, save the careers of the artists that we're working with, save the venues that we work with, uh, save the production companies, the touring the the trucking companies, the merchandise, the whole industry. and i don't I don't really like you know just using that word industry, but the whole family of of people. Everyone on this call uh, has worked works with on a day to day basis. So it's not just about us trying to save our businesses. It's the underlying impact that will ha- that will occur if we do collectively figure out how to save save the music. You know there's, there's an org- there is a bill. It's called S- S- Save Our Stages. Uh, all the bills have different different names. Truthfully, what we're all co- collectively trying to do is we're trying to save the music, and by uh, by considering supporting our organization and joining, uh, that that would be um, that that would be real valuable. Right, Jack.
2: Final thoughts.
4: What what I would say is. Um, uh, that you really can, I think, make a difference in terms of reaching out to your local representatives. Um, I never thought, I, you know, five months ago, I never envisioned, you know, that I would be doing what I'd be doing and now knowing people on the staffs of both of my senators up here in, in New Hampshire. And by me sending a letter and then following up, you know, I, I ended up getting invited to have a 30-minute a conference call with multiple members of one of the senator's offices and ended up, you know, our lobbyists, give, you know, giving me credit, whether it's accurate or inaccurate, for getting one of them on the Save Our Stages bill. I'll take it, you know. I, I was actually filling in a mutual friend of ours, Ralph, the other day and him, just kind of telling him in, and he, he looked, he said to me, he goes, Jack, you've become a lobbyist. He said, there's worse things than being a lobbyist. I can't think of any off the top of my head but there's worse you could and, be president yeah. <laughs> yeah so so you know th- there's still you know for all the people that are in massachusetts uh, it's shocking as it is to me elizabeth warren is not on save our stages or restart that's insane to me given everything that i know for her to stand you know stand for so write her get your clients to tweet her And, you know, and and challenge her to to get on board. You know, Restart has 53 senators on board, including 23 Republicans, including people like Lindsey Graham and Lamar Alexander. Save our Stages, I'm going to guess, is about as about 30 at this point in time. And that that seems to be getting some some more traction. That bill has been around substantially less amount of time than than the Restart Act. But. Take action, and now's the time to do it. You know, uh, for sure, it, it, it is dire, and this opportunity we, we may you're probably not going to have this opportunity again. So you need you need to get up. You also need to go out and vote, obviously, but you need to stand up and make your voice heard. And these people will listen. It's an election year, thank God, actually, and there's a lot of people that want to get reelected. Okay. Uh, Wayne, final thoughts?
3: Just going to have to reiterate what what uh, you know. Both uh, Jack and Ted said, but g- you know, get involved, get active, and and I'll say what I said. I'll say it again. What I said before. Don't just go on the site and send that letter. Send that link to everyone you know. We need thousands of people, not a hundred people. We need thousands. We have. We have helped move the dial, not just down to us, you know, us and Eva, you know, the restaurant organization. I mean, I don't know who did it, but Jack just said that there were 53 people. I think that's the right number on the restart act at the moment. When we started doing this, there might have been six because it only the restart only came out, you know, or was introduced right after we started, you know, our organization. Mid-April. Right, exactly. And there was like maybe six people. Um, so it's not all down to us. I mean, a lot of it's down to their hustle and their, their, who they know, but we just immediately jumped on it and started getting on top of it. So did Neva and so did some other people. And, but it's, but we see it happening. We actually, the same thing with the SOS bill, the save our stages bill. You see it happening. You see every day, one or two more sign on. So everybody has to be active. You, you got it. It only takes five minutes, go online, do it, then send the link to everybody, you know, do an email blast and say, hey, you got to do this if you love music.
2: Thank you. And uh, Frank, last words.
0: Oh, my God. Everybody said their last words better than I could ever. But, you know, all I can do is underline, you know, be visible, hit those buttons, send that letter to the congressperson. Uh That's the first step. And then join any activations that you see in your local communities and do your best. But more importantly than anything else, I don't think we'd be in the situation that we're in right now if the election of the Latin, in 2016 had come out differently. This year, please vote. No matter who you vote for, make your voice known, participate in that process, and hopefully we'll have a better America out of it. Thank you.
2: And uh, if I can quote your website, Frank, for-, for <laughs> Quote away. The <laughs> belief that things are continually getting better and good will win over evil. Thank you, George, Dan, Brittany, all the people on the on this panel. It's thank you for your time and all the work. Um I I you have the pledge of the Boston Managers Group as much as I could give it to do whatever we can. Uh thanks all. And um we'll send out messages to everybody and links and things like that. Okay. Thank,
0: thank you, you guys so much. You well, much. Thanks, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. thanks bro. everybody. Thanks for, thanks, thanks, for bro. thanks for the opportunity. Thanks,
4: for having thanks bro. to you, George. Thanks so for the time.